All right. I, kn- I know you're not clapping for me coming up. It's those announcements. Man, I think, you know, we could uh, very easily end right now. We've had an incredible baptism. We had a great, if you weren't in prayer time this morning, uh, I read a scripture, um, um, Acts 4:31, just about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to just read it again, just to expect it for today. Turn to that. I didn't have that saved. Acts 4:31. That won't come up behind us. That's, this is off the cuff here. And it says, And when they had prayed, the place which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Today, I feel like God has um, given me some bold words to share. And, uh, and so we're going through this uh, book of Galatians, and I'm... Uh, it's been one of those sermons that uh, Mike and I worked on on Tuesday and just began to hone out uh, different things. And then as I began to practice, I just have felt uh, confusion. I'm even nervous. I am like nervous about this this morning. And so uh, the only thing that can happen is God's got to speak through me. And so today I'm expectant of that. And so uh, the first thing... Um, you know, if, if you're a visitor here today, I'm David Schultz. I'm the, one of the associate, pa- I am the associate pastor here. I consider Mike an associate pastor also, so we're on the equal, but Mike reminds me daily, he's the boss. And so, and, and that's all right. He says it with grace and love and just tells me to go to my office and figure that out. And so, um, that's always good. Um, but uh, I just love this church. I love what God's doing. When I look around and I see uh, on a Sunday morning where, you know, somebody getting baptized, and just even her testimony, man, is just glorifying to God. She wants to, just saying these words, I want to surrender myself to Christ. That is not something we can do naturally. That is something God does in us. And so uh, without stealing all my thunder here, man, that's, that's just good. So I've got a couple of questions I just want you to uh, think about this morning. Um, the first one is, do you believe that God chose you personally before you were even born? Now think about that for a second. Do you truly believe that God chose you? Or do you just think that there's a coincidence of events that happen and you are introduced to the gospel? Or do you truly believe in your heart, God, you chose me. When you were hanging on the cross, dying for my sins, you knew. You knew me. Because that's the truth. That's the truth. Second question is, do you believe that you are saved by God's grace? You're saved by God. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you'll do in the future. There's nothing that you've done in the past that can earn your salvation. God did that out of his grace and mercy in your life. Because he chose you, because he knew you before you were born, he died on the cross for your salvation. And lastly, do you believe that God wants to transform your life to fulfill the calling he has for your life? Actually, not only does God know you and die on the cross from you and save you by his grace, there's nothing you can do to earn that. But he also has a purpose. He wants to transform your life for the calling that he has for you, for the calling that he's put on your heart. Today, we're going to be in Galatians uh, 1, 11 through 24. I'll be reading out of the SV, and those, uh, that scripture will come up behind me. For I would have you know, brothers, this is Paul. Paul's continuing his letter uh, to the Galatians, the church of Galatia. And he says, for I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I have received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. 
and I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age. Among my people, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who had called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Sicily, and I was still unknown in the persons to the churches of the Judea that were in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, I just thank you for today, God, and I just thank you for what you've already done in this church today. I thank you so much, God, for Kendall's baptism. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our heart. Lord, it's evident of what you're doing in each one of our lives. Lord God, you are transforming our lives to fulfill the calling you've put on our lives, God. God, I am so thankful for that. I ask that today, God, you use me to speak your gospel. Lord, that you stir hearts today. God, even now, I ask that you begin to stir hearts and that you begin to soften them. Lord, you break down the strongholds. You, Lord, you begin to open up their eyes and ears to the things that you are doing in each individual life. Oh, Lord, pour out your spirit today. Lord, I pray this building would tremble before you. You be glorified today in all that we do, Lord God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so really, I want to look back at a verse. uh, Verses 15 and 16 is kind of where I'm going to um, center my preach on today. And I'm going to reread that real quick. But when he who had set me apart before I was born. Remember the first question I asked. Do you believe that you were set apart? Do you believe that God knew you before you were born and set you apart and said, I have something for you. I have life for you. But when he said, who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him to the Gentiles. Believing that you are set apart and saved by his grace. This isn't something you've done. This isn't something that, as I, as I said earlier, this isn't anything that you've done before. Actually, um, we're an evil people. I know this is a, maybe a secret to some of you, but even myself, I'm an evil person at heart. I know it's hard to believe. But I know this, and I, and I always have struggled with this thought that we were born into sin. It's like, how, how are we born into sin? A baby hasn't done anything wrong until I had kids. <laughs> and then I was quickly aware of how we were born into sin. And I've shared this before. We don't have to teach kids to do what's wrong, do we? It's evident, and it's evident very quick. We don't have to teach a kid to tell me no. When I tell my son or daughter to do something, they're quick to say no. I am still working that out in my kids. And they're 14, 13, and 9, 10, sorry. And we're still working that out. I didn't have to teach them to be greedy. Everything was theirs. They stole from each other. They have never seen me steal from Joella, my wife. They've never seen me steal from anybody else, yet they steal from each other without being taught that. So it made sense. Okay, I get it. We are born. We are evil at heart. But I've grown out of that. I'm, I'm 50 years old, 55 years old this year. I've grown out of that. Until Dylan 
the other day reminded me as I grumbled some stuff as a car cut me, cut me off. He said, Dad, relax. <laughs> so, it's not that big a deal. Like, but I really wanted to wave at them with one finger. <laughs> and I really, really had a lot to say to them. But I realized, wait, God's grace. I'm not there yet. God's grace. He's working this out. We are an evil people. We are sinful in nature. It's easier for us to be angry at someone. You know, God has called us. You know, I love a lot of people. I love those that are nice to me. Those that do good things for me. It's easy to love those. My friends, I love them. But it's the person that yells at me in the middle of a ball game that their kid isn't getting to play long enough as I take them out and put them on the bench that I really don't want to love, is that actually I want to tell them a lot of other things about life, and I don't want to love them. But that's the one that God's called me to love. That's the change in my heart that God has. That is salvation. God loved us. I, he knows the things I'm going to screw up tomorrow, yet he still, he knows everything I've done. He knows every thought, every heart hard-hearted, mean-hearted, evil heart, evil thought I've had. And he still said, no, I'm going to love you. And I'm going to die, I'm going to love you so much. I'm going to die on the cross for you. Can you. I mean, think about that. The almighty God who created the universe chose you before you were born. That's a powerful thing. That's very powerful. And he called us on this mission with him. He began to work in our hearts as he saved us, and he's going to continue to transform us. For me, when I was, uh, I was saved at a very young age. Uh, I was about seven or eight years old. Um, but what I witnessed in my parents' life was pretty radical that's always stuck with me. And uh, my mom, uh, at age four, um, I had, it was myself and two of my sisters, Lexi and Brooke, and we were about, I was roughly about four years old, three to four years old when my biological dad left. And um, when he left, he made the statement to my mom that he didn't want to see us, he would send his child support, but he didn't want to pass us back and forth. He didn't want a part of that. It was fine. He lived about a block away from me, and I remember as a kid, I had this massive big wheel. They probably don't even make them anymore because I'm sure they're dangerous somehow. <laughs> and I would ride down to the end of the street. We lived on Beck Road, North 33rd Terrace. Beck Road intersected that. I'd ride down to the end of the street, he actually lived down a block and to the right, two doors down. But I knew he didn't want me there. I knew he'd made a choice that us three kids were a burden to him, and he would just pay his money, he'd pay his dues, and we could go on. My mom lived, um, we had several boyfriends several different men in and out of the house. And um, about age seven, my mom met my stepdad who raised me, Mike. A lady by the name of Betty Morgan, unbeknownst to me, at the time, I was friends with her uh, daughter. We were the same age. Had been praying for my mom for years, and uh, attended a church, Deer Park. My uh, stepdad, Mike, entered into our lives. I was, I was roughly six or seven, eight years old. I don't remember exactly. And um, and remember a conversation I had. My mom would tell me the conversation. I didn't know. I wasn't there during the conversation, but. She made a comment, a passing comment to my dad about how 
She just worshiped the feet that he, she just worshiped him, my stepdad. And he said, there's got to be something more to life than that. Something like that, I may not have it exactly right, but essentially that led my mom to call this lady on the phone, Betty Morgan, and say, what more is there to life? And Betty Morgan came over, and uh, she lived several miles away, but before, my mom would always tell the story that before she could hang up the phone, Betty Morgan was at the front door and led her to, led her to Christ, which later led my stepdad, Mike, to, the, to salvation. What I had seen in the house before that was a lot of uh, parties. I remember I used to sneak down. We had a three-level house. Uh, we had a den that was built on the back, and I would sneak down. We could, I could sneak all the way into the kitchen, and we had a little bit of a gap in between the wall, and I could peek around the corner, and I would see usually a smoke-filled room, a lot of alcohol, and probably some drugs. don't remember exactly, but um, I remember the people that would come over. Dallas Elder. I remember Steve Vestings. These guys and their uh, spouses would come over and party. They would wait till about 9 o'clock when us kids were supposed to be in bed. It was a very light sleeper. I'd sneak downstairs and I'd just watch what went on. And I remember a day I was sitting in the front room of our living room and I remember these uh, some people coming over. And I remember my a dad, Mike, and my mom telling them that their lives had changed and that uh, they no longer were going to do that. They had chose a different life. They had chose a different path. That they had, God had saved them. They shared the gospel with some of them. Some of them just turned around, told them they were crazy and walked off. Others of them, through that, became saved and lived a very um, fruitful life in the cross. Their salvation in that is when I turned about eight or nine years old, my mom shared the gospel with me and I became a Christian. And I knew then, my mom would just ingrain in me and my, and my dad just saying, God's got a purpose for your life. There's purpose. There's a reason God chose you. In the midst of, of a broken home, in the midst of uh, my mom who was not sure what she was going to do with three kids. He met us. He chose us. And he said, I have a purpose. And it's no different for anybody here in, in this church today. Today, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, there's a reason you're here today. It's to be introduced to him. Yeah. He has called you before you are born. He has a purpose for your life. He desires to be a part of your life. That was when I, uh, so I was saved then, like I said, it was about eight years. It was in 1976, and, um, and God began to work in my life. He called me. He set me apart. He said, you know what? I have things for you, and you can use yourself in any of those places, just like he did with Paul. Paul was actually uh, had give, been given essentially the license to destroy the church. To destroy the church. He had been uh, present. If you read in Acts 7, you read the story about Stephen, Stephen, who was stoned, one of the first martyrs for Christ. Um, Stephen was sharing the gospel. Paul, Saul, at the time, later became Paul. Saul was there to witness his death. Killed him for sharing the gospel. Christ. As uh, Paul was, Saul was then going to uh, Damascus. Jesus met him on the road. In Acts 9, you can read his account where he was knocked off the horse, blinded, and Jesus said to him, Paul, Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? He was blinded, led it into the town, and Ananias shared with him, and Paul received the gospel. And Paul pushed forward. Paul was set apart. We are set apart. We have to know that we are set apart. God set you apart before you were known. You are special in God's eyes. There are so many of us in life that deal with insecurities. We feel unloved. Even in, in an age... Um, 
when electronics, people can reach out very easily and communicate with others. It's a, one of the loneliest times of life, of history right now. We're fingertips away from people, and it is where people, we are seeing a higher tick of suicides, especially in young people. People feel lost, unloved, unwelcomed, and isolated. And God said, Jesus says just the opposite. I'm here to love you. I'm not going to fail you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to deport. I saved you before you were born. I picked you apart. I chose you. It's Almighty God that is aware of our shortcomings, our sins we would commit, commit, the failures we will face. He chose to die for us. He chose to sacrifice his son. And I think this is, um, you know, this is where a lot of Christians, even in the, in the, the knowledge of this, this is where sometimes we uh, receive God, we realize, okay, he died for me. I'm set apart. But we don't walk in a transformative gospel life. We don't allow the gospel to transform our lives for who, what he has called us to. A lot of times, if you go back to the first questions asked, do you believe that God has chose you personally before you were even born? Yes, we can say yes to that. A lot of us can say that. Do you believe that you were saved by God's grace? Yes. But here's the challenge I have for you today. And this is important. Do you really believe we are called to be transformed by the gospel? God wants to not only save, us, save you, but he wants to transform us today. He wants to equip us to be a powerful member of his church. Or dare I say, he has a purpose for our lives, a calling on your life. If we read this scripture that I, I shared in the, this morning about uh, in verses 15 and 16, and we put an emphasis a little bit different on it. But when we, when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me out of his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Why? Because he had a purpose. I'm going to transform your life. He's saying, Paul is saying he was transforming my life that I might preach a gospel. Here's a guy that was killing Christians, and God is saying, I am going to be, make him an instrument to go to the Gentiles. He had set him apart. That is no different for our lives today. That is no different. When God called you, when God opened up your ears and your eyes, when he opened up, softened your heart to the gospel that he has for you, he didn't just stop there, but he says, look, I've got purpose. I, not only do I want to save you, not only want to, do I want to uh, break you free, but I've got purpose. Why? Because I want to glorify myself through you. I want you to be a part of what I'm going to do. I want you to be a part of something so much bigger than you that it will bless you and it will bless those around you. That is the hard thing that I think we have. In uh, James, James 1, 22 through 24, our, it is our life, it is us to live out a transformative gospel in our lives through faith and obedience. It is to go and do what he has called you to. This is the very thing he saved us into, is faith and obedience. James 1, 22 through 24 says, but be doers of the word, not only hear, hearers, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and forgets what he is like. Living a transformative life. Now in... Um, so as I said, I got saved uh, um, when I was about eight, eight nine years old. Um, in 1989, that was in 76. In 1989, um, 88, actually, my mom got sick with cancer. Um, in uh, 89, in February of 89, I was between, I was coming up on 21 years old. Uh, my mom died of cancer. 
Um, there was a lot of people we were a part. I've been a part of this church for a long time. This church at the time was called Calvary Community. And there was a lot of people that were praying for my mom. It was, they were convinced. There's no doubt that my mom was going to be healed, that this was going to be a miraculous healing. This was going to be an amazing thing that everybody's going to talk about. There was people, we were affiliated with a few other churches, one called uh, Full Faith North and Second Creek and uh, Church in Kansas City, and then one in Columbia called Columbia Fellowship, uh, was kind of our sister churches, uh, Calvary sister churches, and there was people in all four of those churches, which probably was over three or 4,000 people that were praying for my mom. Ernie Gruen at the time was uh, walked in a, a very gifted walked in the gift of healing and saw many healings. He sent a, uh, he wasn't able to come up here, but he actually sent a napkin that he'd prayed over. You read in the old, in the New Testament of this being done where uh, Peter and Paul had sent out napkins for people to be healed. He sent that to my mom, prayed over it. There was people that sat all night, 24 hours with my mom and prayed. For her. We was convinced that she was going to be healed. And in uh, 89 and February 8th, she died. And so in my life for that, um, I'm not one to um, really, I, I care for things when they're going on. So there was a lot going on in our family, and I just care. I did the best I could to care for all of that. And just thought, you know what? It's done, it's over. I don't, didn't really know how to grieve. And so I kind of pushed that off. Uh, didn't really um, spend time thinking about it. I actually went to, back to work. I worked at a company, uh, a store called Best that now's Dick's uh, there on the belt. Worked there. I went back to work within about three days after we had the funeral. Um, Started working and just never really dealt with it. Just went on with life. Just, uh, I was in the military um, that fall, or the following fall, we went to uh, Desert Shield and then eventually Desert Storm. Never really, de really dealt with anything. Came back home. I got married. It was a disaster for three years. Divorced. And I just decided I'm going to try to figure things out on my own. And I spent most of the 90s doing that. Not really, I, it wasn't that I walked away from my faith, but I didn't, what I didn't do is follow God. I didn't actively pursue and allow God to transform my life. I said, I'll figure things out on my own. And through what I would say disaster looking back, disaster after disaster after disaster, I was lucky enough in uh, 2001 to meet my wife, Joella. Um... Some of her my testimony, Joel and I met, and um, in 03, right after we met, I got sent away to war again. And um, as I got sent away, Joel had grown up Catholic. I had uh, grown up in this church, and my fear was, oh my gosh, she's going to get connected to the Catholic church while I'm gone. And so I had no choice. While I was gone, we didn't, you couldn't just pick up the phone in 2003 and call somebody. It was like five to ten bucks an hour or a minute to call somebody. And so we emailed back and forth. During that time, I just said, God, I have no choice but to rely on you to change Joella's heart and to draw her into living hope because I knew I had been called to this church. And I didn't want to live a life with my wife going to one church, me going to another church, but I knew I was called here. So uh, back and forth over two years, after actually, after about six months, I got sent home for a couple of months. And uh, what uh, I came home to is Joelle had not only uh, not started in the Catholic church, but she was more connected to this church than I was connected. Um, she had uh, a lady by the name of Dusty, Stanley had invited her to a women's conference. She had gone, uh, Dusty had stuck her on the front row at this women's conference, and it dramatically changed uh, Joella's life. And so then we, uh, I rotated back and forth. She had a traveling job. Anyway, in uh, about 2005, uh, I, our orders had ended, 
And uh, we, so we started doing more in the church. And we were just like, we were trying to fill things out. What are we supposed to do? We knew God had a calling for us. But how, what does this look like? We were just uh, so immature in a lot of things. And um, so as we went to, I remember we went to a celebration. And if you're signed up to go to celebration, I'm telling you that it, these change your lives. They really do. When you go expecting God to speak to you, when you expect God to, to call you into what he has for you, it will change your life. And if you're not signed up, talk to me afterwards. We'll get you to there because I'm telling you that it's a powerful time. Uh, we, we went to uh, CMSU. It was Central Missouri State. We stayed in the dorms. They were hot. There was no air conditioning. People complained. The kids screamed at night because it was, there were fans everywhere. But it was a great time of worship. And I remember in the Friday night worship that uh, God began to speak to my heart. And he said, I've got something for you. And I just remember beginning to say, God, I'm just going to say yes to it. And, and so, and I told Joella at the time, they were getting ready to do a church plant in Tacoma, uh, Seattle. And I thought, God, you've called me to this. You called us. I, later on that night, I told Joella, and she thought I was crazy, and said, how in the world, how are we going to, and I was like, I don't know, but I just sort of feel like we're supposed to do. And so there was a guy that was a, the church was being led by a leadership team at the time, and uh, as we came back, uh, there was a guy that was kind of helping through that leadership team, and his name was Bob Stricker, and I began to meet up with him weekly, and I said, Bob, I, said, I feel like I'm, we're supposed to go do this, and, and he was like, David, what you need to do is you just need to start saying yes. Asking the church what you need help in, and say yes. And so, I, so Joel and I talked about it, and so we went to um, Jeff at the time and said, what does the church need? And uh, I thought, well, maybe they need a kid's worker, or they need some, and he said, well, we need a youth group leader. I was like, I know nothing. Have you seen these teens? I know nothing about leading the youth. There's absolutely, okay, yes. And we did it. And we had no idea what we were doing. I'm not saying we did anything. I mean, we had to do a couple of things right because McKenzie was in there. Parker was in there. They turned out all right. <laughs> but it was, we just said yes, and we just started. And God began to move more and more in our lives. Jeff came out, hey, the church began to grow, and they needed community group leaders. I'd never led a community group. I had no idea. I was still young. I was like, okay. So we led a community group. Our first community group, Mike was a part of. That's why he is who he is today. <laughs> we began to say yes to what God had for us. We didn't know exactly what we thought. I still thought we're going to Tacoma. This is what we're doing. And God began to shape this calling. I was scared to death. I thought, oh, I, even as a kid, I was always scared to death. Oh, God's going to call me to some Middle East place to be a missionary, and this is going to be terrible, and, I was, and so I was always hesitant to do stuff, but he just, as we said yes to the church, as we said yes to serving the church, as we said yes to discipleship, God began to change our hearts, and obviously he didn't send us to Tacoma, he began to change things, began to change the way we viewed life, but it was, he began to transform us to fulfill the calling that he has on our life. He began to transform my heart and Joella's heart. It was no longer, I mean, in there still, there's a ton of fears. I remember uh, when we were talking about Nina's second pastor in, in 2014, 2013, 2014, we were the church was growing at a, at a very rapid pace. And we were talking about who should be an associate pastor. I had a job at Altec. I was really close to six figures. Great bonus, great vacation. 15, six, coming up on 16 years there. And a couple of guys, Mike and another guy said, what do you think about coming on staff? And I was just like, I mean, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know. Because I, I had done the finances in the church. I knew what our church could afford. And I was like, I don't know. We prayed about it. Joel and I prayed about it. Joel was very, very hesitant, very nervous about it. She had quit her job. We had two kids, three kids, 
And I just felt like, God, I'm going to say yes. And you know what? I haven't looked back. 2015, I left Altec. Took about a 45% pay cut and came to the church. And God, I didn't even, we were able to continue tithing the same amount as when I had the other job. We were able to save. It freed up more time to serve. I didn't, we didn't miss a beat. And there were so many fears, so many things that I was worried about in that, in that process. But I knew, inside I knew, God, you set me apart before I was born for a calling that you had all my life. And you'd spent 40 plus years transforming me. And you're continuing because I don't know that this is the end. I'm 55 years old and, and now I think uh, the, a, the group of people that I talk to, the age group of people, and, and they are talking, well, I'm able to retire. We're able to do this and, and this and travel. And I'm like, God, what do you have next? What do you have next? Where is it next that you're calling me? And I tell you, just even with my my family, even in my family as a kid, seeing the transformation that God did in my parents, that transformation has stuck with me. When they said yes to God in times that I knew they couldn't, I remember this crazy story of one time there was, uh, we had this uh, Willie's Jeep wagon, and my dad loved that, Willie's Jeep. It was in great shape. The only thing it needed is the fuel gauge. But it was in great shape, right? Wasn't it? You liked that thing, didn't you? He's sitting right here in the long beard. And, and I remember that him talk, a conversation with my mom again and just saying, I feel like we're supposed to sell it. And he just said, they prayed, said, God, if we're supposed to sell this, bring somebody to the door to buy it. Within two weeks, I, I don't know exactly how long. It, would, it might have even been less than that. We lived out in the middle of nowhere. We lived down in Lake Cherry in one of the mansions down there, and out in the middle of nowhere, and a guy walks up, a kid walks up, hey, will you sell that Jeep? And my dad didn't hesitate. Yep. He didn't, what, what, what does God care whether you sell a Jeep or not? It's a Jeep sitting there. I'm like, you like that. Why would you do that? Because God told him to do it and put it on his heart. And it was out of faith and obedience. And I saw, I got to witness that. Parents, today, if you want to know what the greatest thing besides praying for your kids you can do is being obedient to Christ. Because it will transform life. Those are the memories that stick in my head. Those are the memories that stick, that I recall is like, oh my gosh. When I look back and I think of what my dad and mom did and what they had, and I'm like, how in the world? How in the world did you guys do that? But it's those things that God it just, just sears on our memory. I am faithful. He says, I am faithful. I have a purpose for your life. Trust me. Be faithful and obedient. Today, I believe... Um, Oh boy, this is going long. I believe that he wants to transform your life so that he shines through you, so that he is glorified through our obedience to his call on our life. And you know what? Let me tell you that. That's a strong statement. Let me read this again. I believe that he wants to transform your life so that he shines through you, so that he is glorified through our obedience to his call on your life. And let me tell you what that's going to bring. That's going to bring blessing and freedom in your life. The more you surrender to God and you say, you know what? This is important to me, but I trust you with it. I trust you with this, God. My children succeeding at this or doing this or being this, the more I say, God, I trust you with them. I trust you with him. It's going to be blessing on you. Blessing on you. And why? To bless others. It's to bless others. It's not just for you. It's as people see this, as people in your workplace see your life transformed by the gospel, it is going to, it is going to be more impactful 
than every, ser every sermon they ever hear. It's in your life. When they see the change in your life, when they see the, uh, your life transformed by God and the things that you hold dear to you, he begins to release. You begin to release to God and your coworkers, your family members see that. It changes the way it, they are glorified. God is glorified through that because they know it's not a work of you. It is not something you can do. It's not something you're doing. It's something that somebody greater is doing in your life. And that is power. That is, what is, that is where God is glorified. Do you want to see 300 people saved and added? Do you want to see 300 more baptisms this year? Allow God to change your life. Step out of fear and, and uh, insecurities and be bold in Christ. Step out and be faithful to the things that he's called you to. Man, this is something that is still, this is stirring my heart. I can tell you, I am not there. There are still things I hold on to. There are still things that I just, God, take this, 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 not this. And he's saying, I want this. I want your heart. I want everything that captures your heart. And you know what? And I know it has happened over and time and time again. As I let go, there's more peace. There's more blessing. There's more strength. I feel like we live a lot of times in, in, in my life. I had a conversation with a guy this week. And I even think about the things I said, and I'm like, ooh, that was real bold. Sat down with him, and I said, kind of gave him two options. I said, there's no doubt God has put a calling on your life. There's no doubt in my mind. But if you're not going to do this, if you're not going to walk this step and do this, then why aren't you doing this? And we talked about that. We talked and worked through that. But I just think that's ours. We, we are Christians that have the culture of praying God when you open the door, I'll step in. God, when you, when you open this, when, when the lady sits down, God, I want to share the gospel with her. I want, to, I want to share. But God, when she comes in and if she opens her peanut butter and jelly sandwich just right, then God, I know it's you. I mean, do, do we not do that? I do it all the time. God, if, if, this, if you open up the door, if you open up the opportunity, I, I, we, I flew to um, Goose Bay, eight-hour flight up to Goose Bay, Canada. And I'm on, so I'm on this uh, flight with these guys. And I'm like, God, when you open the door for me to share the gospel, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I went eight hours. I didn't share the gospel. What if I would have just opened my mouth, not waited on God to open the door and just said, I'm going to run through it. And God, if it's not you, shut the door in my face. God, if you, I feel like you've called me to this I feel like you've called me to be a community group leader. I feel like you've called me to be in the kids area. I feel like you've called me to whatever it would be. Fill it in. You know God is stirring your heart to something. Otherwise, he would not have set you apart. He would not have set you apart if he didn't have a purpose for you in your life. And so if you have that purpose, you know it's stirring in you. Begin to go for it. And if you don't know what it is, just go for it anyway. He'll shut the door. He's faithful. He's going to do it. He's not going to let you screw it up. Because it's him that's glorified. It's his charge card, not yours. He's the one that's going to do it. I believe that God does not want us to stand behind our fears anymore and to step out of obedience. I'm telling you guys, when this church, when we begin to step out in obedience, when we begin to think, give up the things that we love, the things that we think are bringing us life, and step out, it's going to change. It's going to change St. Joe. It's going to change your family, your unsaved people in your family. It's going to change this city. And you know what? Some of you guys are going to go to different parts of this earth, and it's going to change it because what God has called you to. In verse 23, it says in Galatians 1, back to Galatians, verse 23 and 24, it says, They were only hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. 
So Paul, this is Paul talking. He's ending this section, this chapter one, and he says, before I even went there, God, you were going before me and you were changing hearts because then they were talking about the persecution that I was bringing and the change of life that you had done to me, that you were transforming my life. And when you got there, they already knew it was coming and they were rejoicing already in God because of what you had done in me. How powerful is that? Because of what God has done in me, it's already going forward. David that used to be this way is now this way. This is not the way, David, that I knew. There's got to be something more in his life. There's got to be something that is doing that. He's doing things that he would have never done before because the gospel is transforming his life. When people around you witness you being obedient to what God has called you to, they will see the gospel transforming your life and he will be glorified. Man, that's powerful. Do you guys believe that? Do you really believe that? I mean, it's easy to believe that God saved us. It's easy to believe. It's easy to believe that I'm saved by grace. But do you believe God has a calling on your life, and he's calling you to be faithful and obedient into it? Because that means action. That's not just something you can shake your head at. That means action. That's a call to action. And I think there's some ways we can respond today in this. I think there's some today that you know that the calling God has put on your life and you're living in fear. Young people, youth group guys, college kids here, think about this. There's a calling God has put on your life, but you're fearful. You're fearful of what your friends will say. You're fearful that you'll stand out. God is going before you. God is doing it. He doesn't, he's, he doesn't want to do it for you. He wants to do it for those around you. He's going to change their lives. And in that, he's going to bless you. Man. God, you know God is calling, put a calling on your life, but you're fearful. Let's not be fearful. Let's respond to that today. Let's ask God to take that away. You're not sure what God has called you to, but you just want to say yes. I'm all in. Just like at the baptism, I'm all in. I, I don't know what he's calling me to, but he's, he's stirring me to a lot of things. Man, Joel and I did, we did a ton of different things. We did youth, we did uh, she started working back in the kids area. We, I worked back there with her. We did uh, community groups. We, we, did, we went to every conference that they had for church planning, for uh, prayer times. We just went. We didn't know what God, we were just like God. We're just saying yes. And you know what? He'll fine tune everything else. So you just don't know for sure what God has called you to, but you desire to say yes. And so you just want to come, come forward and you just want to ask him to clarify the things. And then the, some of you, I think you've stepped out in your calling, but it's starting to, uh, you feel like it's collapsing on you. Like, oh, I made the wrong, I did, I did it wrong. And I'd say that God's not, you don't make the wrong decision. When you say yes to God, it can never go wrong. Might be difficult, might be difficult. I heard one story, let me, I know I'm going a little long here, but not as long as Mike. <laughs> but I have another, just we were in a leadership huddle and I heard a man stand up and talk about God stirring him about his job. God was stirring him. I'm supposed to do something different. I'm supposed to do something different. Didn't know exactly what it was. Gave his notice. The company wanted to keep him. Kept pulling him to him. And he said, I feel like I'm supposed to do this. And he stepped out in faith and did it. And he just said, God's blessing me. God's blessing me. It's unbelievable the things he's done. And I'm just like, that's it. That's it. When you don't have the answers, you can't complete how God's going to provide, how he's going to do this, how he's going to do that. But you say, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you're calling me to this. And you know that voice. You know that heart feeling when he says that. And when confirmation especially begins to come from other people. And you know what? Even if you get it wrong, 
God's merciful. God's graceful. Even if you miss it. So I think those are the three ways we respond today. Uh, Band, you guys can come up. You know God. You know the calling God has put on your life, however you're fearful. There'll be prayer teams up here. If you, if you see a friend, come up to be prayed for. I encourage you to come up. I believe God's going to speak prophetically to people if you'll take the time to respond. You know, you're not sure what God has called you to, but your desire is just to say yes to him. Or you stepped out in the calling, but things may not be going just exactly as you, think, as you thought it should. And so you're beginning to wonder about it. God wants you to come. You know what? If you're not saved today, if you've not asked God to be a part of your life, or maybe you've taken your own choice. You've done your own things for a little bit and said, you know what? I'm going to figure things out on my own. God's calling you back. God would not have introduced himself to you. God would not have softened your heart to him at one time if he didn't have a plan for you. And so I would just encourage you. I'm going to pray. Um, I'm going to bring his way here. Dear Lord, I just thank you for today. Mm. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, I believe you're going to bring prophetic words for people today, Lord. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. Thank you for your love for us. God, stir us. Stir us to be a people that will say yes to you and run forward to be faithful, to be obedient to you in the things you've called us. Lord, to allow you to transform our lives through the things that you're doing. You know, I feel like there's somebody here today, maybe more than one, that this this is hitting, this is a sharp, a sharp point at you. It is going right at your heart. That this sermon is like I am wrestling and wrestling and wrestling. And you're, you're, not, you're not only fearful, but you're actually a little bit angry about the call. Not necessarily angry about the Yeah, you're angry about the calling. You're angry. No, God, why? And I'm telling you, God's got freedom. He's going to break strongholds in your life because you step out in obedience. He's going to break things that have held you back and he is going to be glorified through you. Man, if that's you, you need to come right up afterwards. You need to come up and be prayed for. I feel like there's people here that are scared to say yes. You're scared to say yes because you don't know what it's going to mean. And I'm telling you what it's going to mean, healing. It's going to mean healing in your heart of things that in the past that have happened to you that you can't let go of. And if you'll come forward and you say yes, God is going to break those. And you're going to see freedom and you're going to see blessing and your coworker is going to recognize this. Your coworker is going to recognize this and say, what has happened? You are no longer bitter. Lord God, pour out your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.